Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, CTO of Portal. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to Beyond Bitcoin. And of course, as normal, I have my good friend with me today and colleague, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. Hey, Derek. Glad to be back. I've lost my voice. I'll talk a little bit about that. But today's a special uh, you know, show because I'm traveling and so are you, which usually is not That's the case. Right. It's both a broadcast today from hotel rooms across the world. So you're in Boston and I'm in London, as it turns. That's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, it's been a really interesting time, actually, because we've just visited um, Zurich and Geneva and now London. And of course, naturally, um, I've got my hat on as a fund manager. And, and it's been fascinating meeting with the people from Zurich and Geneva. They are so much more switched on um, to this space, so much more engaged in what's happening with you know, the future of banking and the future of digital assets um, than maybe I expected them to be. And so it's, it's been delightful. I and mean, we're in our sort of second day in London and, and certain people in London are quite, uh, quite connected and others aren't. Others just look at the market as a period of, oh my gosh, that's more volatility. I have no idea really what it does. Um, so it's, it's been a superb journey, but it's an interesting time. You know, we've often started conversations, Newton, by going, did you say volatile? <laughs> <laughs> so this week has been extraordinarily volatile and it would just we just need to talk about that we need to talk about why it's volatile what's been happening this week what's been making it extra volatile and so i thought i might start with the fact that you know there's a statement macro matters and in this space that's been sure. the case and so what we've seen, of course, of recent times is we've seen, you know, the oil prices rise from $70 a barrel, um, you know, to, to $122 a barrel um, as of the 14th of June 2022, which is the date now. And we've seen US inflation now cited today by the Feds at 8.6%. And, and we're seeing high correlations between, you know, the CCI 30 or the cryptocurrencies and the NASDAQ equities. And maybe that's because, of course, you know, both are highly liquid. And so both move very quickly with the results of, of inflation and the results of the economies. Um, but you know, we've seen the top CCI 30 coins drop 66.85% yeah. over the past 12 months. That's an extraordinary amount. Now, we have a real view of what's happening in this space. We'll talk about that a little later. This space has got nothing but good news happening to it. But outside, it's about investment volatility. And that is a very large downturn. So that's from 29,215 down to 6,925 for the CCI 30. So that's the, wow. the top cryptocurrency index, top 30 coins. Um, but at the same time, we've seen NASDAQ, you know, from a high of 15,990 drop to 10,785, that's a 23.9% drop in the market. So that's a tremendous drop too. So we've just simply, the, the space that cryptocurrency is just simply more volatile than NASDAQ. Otherwise we tend to be tracking it. We should dedicate an entire show 
to the fact that not far away, we expect for this to decouple. We should call it the great decoupling. In fact, we've got, we've got a webinar coming out in time yeah. called the great decoupling, um, because there should be a time when the growth of this space decouples from traditional technology environments such as NASDAQ. But what's made this particularly volatile, of course, are two occurrences. And one of the occurrences now is virtually old news. And that was Terra Luna and Terra Luna's great decoupling from decoupling from um, its uh, US dollar stable coin. And then just more recently, 30 days, a month to the day, the Celsius wallet on hold. So, so Nitin, let's shoot the breeze a bit about exactly what happened with Terra Luna and what's been happening now with Celsius just to get some context yeah, yeah. why Absolutely. the market is so exaggerated. Yeah, I think we discussed Terra Luna on one of our other podcasts, but in brief, uh, Terra Luna was, I think, uh, a poorly designed tokenomic system where you know, they were looking at this both in terms of, you know you had a utility coin, you had a algorithmic stable coin, they were using utility to sort of balance and provide price stability to one token and, and in absence of, of the real model, they begin to add Bitcoin to that equation. Suddenly now you begin to have three token models that you had a Bitcoin, you had the Luna and you had the Terra, Terra was trying to balance and they were trying to have Bitcoin as a reserve backing to be able to uplift, to maintain price stability of Terra. And what's interesting was that it is, and I think there's a lot of analysis on this topic is that, uh, you know, there was an anchor protocol again in the same Terra ecosystem, which was offering 20% yield, which is interesting because there's no such thing as risk-free returns yeah. uh, where they were offering 20% yield. And suddenly, you know, a lot of people who were in it realized, and again, smart money finds its way better. They begin to liquidate after initial, um, you know, what they have gotten into it only because it is unsustainable. And also, if you look at some of the transaction volumes, money was going into this protocol. It is, you know, the, the utility of money in general is when someone borrows and lends and the money goes to be applied so there's a capital efficiency to this. People are using money to build things and to build businesses. But we, I think there was a, a general consensus that uh, the anchor protocol was sort of keeping that money. It wasn't going out. People weren't borrowing from that pool. And yet they were promising 20%. So that sort of had red flags and that sort of created a fiasco when you had a massive liquidity events and you know, Terra began to sort of lose value. And to equalize that, they began to uh, issue more and more Luna, which was the equalizing asset in the system. And that's a classic definition of hyperinflation when just like in Zimbabwe, people kept printing more and more money. And at that point, you had deflationary effect on this, on, you know, on that, on that instrument. And that again was a you know failure. And again, 30 days later, while Celsius was a different event uh, that took place, and then you had Binance, you begin to look into what's going on with it, the hell is breaking loose. But Celsius was a different problem. And Celsius oftentimes as compared to the long-term capital management, which is the early days of hedge fund era, when you, things get into trouble when the price of two things that should be, which is what you were discussing earlier, they should be very correlated. And when they become less correlated, things become a problem, you know, problems. So Celsius, again, was able to, again, apply capital for things like staking. So they were taking this you know, ether as a deposit and staking the ether and staking ether actually today in, in terms of building the new Ethereum has a pretty good return, but the challenge with that is that you have to lock your staked Ether for some time, which mm. uh, over time it was two years, now it's 18, you know, it's 18 months, 14 months, just like what you see with, with treasury bills, like the yield on these things as, as shifts as 
the coupons mature. And in the event of global crisis that we've seen now, uh, and again, there's a lot to unpack here, but we've had this discussion before, the stable coin is a linkage uh, you know, to the real world. And as we begin to see challenges in the real world, which is a global macro defined element, we begin to see liquidity flow out. And um, when that begin to happen, people begin to liquidate their assets and we, they won't be able to get their, what they had collateralized. And suddenly now Celsius have to stop that because suddenly they have to unstake the staked ETH, which would have been, so either you take a massive loss or you hold on to it uh, as you have the commitments made to your contracts, made to your consumers. And Celsius chose to do, to hold off on the withdrawals because uh, they wanted that staked ETH to remain staked so they can go through a certain cycle. Right or wrong, I don't know uh, of that, but that to me is again, um, in the real financial world is unacceptable only because of the fact that you have commitments, you have regulations, you have all kinds of guardrails built around. It's your money, it's your asset, and you understand the risks of it early withdrawal, which is what we've seen in some you know, financial instruments. Um, and that's what Celsius did. And uh, coincidentally, Binance halted their trading of Bitcoin citing a stuck transaction, which technically speaking, I'm still you know, dazzled because transaction systems that we have designed for the traditional finance world, there's no such thing as a truck, you know, stuck transaction. Um, and that took down the market for almost two hours just for Bitcoin. So all these things um, led to a general thinking that things are unstable and people begin to go back and it's like a bank run of sorts to withdraw the, you know, and again, for the first time, the crypto, crypto markets went below, uh, I think, a trillion dollars, uh, which to me was certainly interesting. And it goes back to, again, we, we have, again, on this show discussed, and I do discern between global macro and crypto macro. And I find stablecoin is the, is, the, is the linkage between those two worlds. And anything that happened in the real world does have direct impact. So the decoupling conversation, I think, is a very relevant one, is what will it take for us to decouple uh, that 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 bridge that stablecoin provides, which again not only provides liquidity to the crypto ecosystem, but also inherits uh, the challenges that we have, both in terms of interest rate, liquidity, all the elements of global macro, uh, is then transferred into uh, the crypto world. I'll pause here to see if that made sense, uh, Derek. It does, but we were chatting a little bit earlier on um, about again this concept of of um, you know a sovereign nation. And, yeah. and the fact that these extraordinary sovereign nations are built on these distributed ledger technologies, these blockchains, which are the foundation of them, and 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 these decentralized finance systems, um, and these you know uh, layer two high high speed protocols are getting designed there. Um, gaming is occurring. All these things are emerging. I have to kind of use this analogy for a moment. It's a little bit like a two-year-old becoming a three-year-old becoming a four-year-old. You know, their bones are aching and they're screaming out loud with mum and but they're very cute and they're very attractive. <laughs> and you know that their future is fantastic, but they're still growing. This space is still growing and some of it's just not connecting with other sections of it. It's easy for us to talk about, and I do regularly talk about the fact that you know, DeFi, Metaverse, Web 3.0, gaming, they're all like Lego blocks and they all click together. They do, but they're still growing and it's not seamless, is it? And some of these problems are occurring because, you know, there's not the right regulation in place and, uh, and, and some of the protocols just simply aren't advanced enough yet. 
Absolutely. And I think before we get into uh, a short report on what happened consensus, I think a few things, right? So if you look at, again, we use the word market structure and market infrastructure. So all the connectivity that we have in existing infrastructure, that's market, all the payment rails, all the security mm -hmm. systems, mm -hmm. uh, security transfer systems, the exchanges, the DTCCs of the world, which are the central bookkeepers. Uh, there's a whole element of infrastructure that needs to maintain to move securities in the system. So with two broker dealer ecosystem that's there, uh, which acts on our behalf to be able to move security. Somebody posts collateral, somebody has to take risk. There's a settlement cycle that goes with it. And there's a market structure, which is basically uh, for, for many of the broker dealers uh, from entering into a contract for purchase or sale of security, provide a payment for funds. Mm -hmm. And usually they have to keep, we have to post certain collateral to eliminate risk. Mm -hmm. And so the recent, uh, you know, the SEC proposed a rule uh, to an amendment which is rule 15C6-1A. And don't ask me how I know that because I'm heads down looking into this piece, which governs the settlement cycle, again, for most broker-dealer transactions uh, by prohibiting broker-dealers from entering into a contract for purchase and sale of a security that provides for payment for a fund. So this is basically a settlement cycle, which historically for a long day, 2017 became T plus you know, two. Now they're going after T plus one, which is whenever you enter into the transaction, the settlement has to happen within a day. Mm. And if that doesn't happen within a day, then you have penalties and fines. And and then to prevent that, a lot of um, the, the ecosystem around uh, this looks into ensuring that you have some collateral in place so that you not have a massive fine because you don't adhere to that regulation. So these are guardrails, governance, mm. regulation, which again, a lot of people don't like them, but they're there to protect us, in, in my opinion. And something like what happened with Celsius, for example, yes. uh, should not have happened. Something that happens both in terms of, so risk uh, risk and reward are, are tied to each other. And as long as we know the risk, but in this case, the ability for me to withdraw my own assets, which is not the case in an existing financial system, um, is something that, that is addressed by these guardrails and these regulation rules. So what, what I'm trying to tell you here, Derek, is that we need to have this, what I'm going to call as a, Cap, crypto capital market infrastructure in place, which provides some of these guard, guard, you know, guardrails and ruling that allows for the various market participants which form the market structure. So again, you have the yield farmers and you have the exchanges and you have the liquidity providers and you have, so these are all participants that sort of provide the structure. Right now, there's no real governance and rules. I mean, some decentralized exchanges and lending protocols like you know, Aave and Uniswaps of the world allow you to be able to lock assets and collateralize assets and borrow against it. And yeah. in many cases, they require you to have over collateralization. But that is a self-agreed upon yes. construct between parties to reduce risk. Not to mention that, you know, having 150% collateral is, you know, uh, inefficient capital use in traditional terms. Yeah. But there's no real guardrail, there are no real rules. And I believe that whether we are going after us, you know, SRO, which is self-regulated organization, which is you know what most financial industry is, is having that system. I think then you need to have that structure in place. In absence of which, we'll see uh, you know entities like Celsius and Binance of the world uh, going through this entire infrastructure, which becomes a problem. That sure. there's no fines, there's no consequences, and I think we need to have the consequences that ensures resiliency and reliability in the system, which is the market infrastructure. And I think to me, all these failures, I'm going to learn from them and build upon successes. Uh, and, uh, you know, 
I'm so I'm seeing all, all these failures as for many of us in the industry to learn from and not not be alarmist. Right. Yes. Look, it's interesting because, you know, here's a quick question. What is the similarity between Celsius and Terra Luna? So, so I just think it's bad governance. That's it. Uh, it's, uh, there's a similarity. There's, it's a different level of risk. So I would say Celsius is a counterparty risk, market risk, whereas Terra Luna was, a, was, was, you know, just bad governance risk, bad, you know, fraudulent risk. I, I would even say fraudulent yeah. risk. Uh, and of course, you know, in this case, I would say in terms of crypto markets, you have, you know, tokenomic risks, which is not exactly the term that we would use in financial industry or traditional financial industry. Uh, two different types of risks. Yeah. Uh, I think two different types of, but they all happen in tandem, which again has a direct impact on the systemic element of how money moves in the system. So if there's an event which draws out liquidity, it has a domino effect, which is what I think has happened here. That suddenly now you have a lot of withdrawals, a lot of like bank runs on these projects, yes. which has which has exposed uh, their fragile sort of um, you know internal economics, uh, which is what I, I would like to learn from. Yeah, if that makes that's sense. pretty true. And it's, and so you know generally also you know leverage is, seems to be the main problem. And if you took leverage out of the system, um, you know you wouldn't see anywhere near the level of contagion that's occurring in this. Uh, you know, in, back in 2017, 2018, leverage was uh, an issue too. Um, in London, I noticed that, um, so 1819, in London, I noticed that I was chatting with someone the other day and they said that some of the exchanges had banned leverage to retail investors. You had to prove that you were a professional investor by um, UK standards to actually enable that to occur. I haven't experienced that personally, but I've been advised of that. And in, in many ways, that makes a lot of sense because leverage and margin loans can clean up a retail investor extremely quickly. Um, sure. and, that, and that can cause contagion effects within the, within the structure. So, so what we're seeing then is we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a system that's still growing. We're seeing a system that has some brilliant algorithms that operate faultlessly well. And we're seeing others that don't uh, have the correct algorithm <coughs> in place or that have human intervention in place. And in the case of Celsius, they're investing across different time spans. And that's got to be a risk when you're taking short-term money yeah. and committing it to long-term positions. Anyone knows that in the real world um, or in the, in the standard finance world. And that's clearly where they were, they were caught out. Um, the contagion of that is a contagion of confidence. And that's a real pity because yet again, we might find ourselves in this position where we're valuing all of the world of this fourth digital, uh, sorry, this fourth asset class, this digital asset class, you know, which entails, um, you know, currencies, it entails lending systems, it entails insurance systems, but it entails gaming, it entails Web 3.0, which is extraordinary in the future metaverse, which is going to be an amazing place to live and do business within. Um, and they're all getting a bad name because of certain financial structures occurring. And so I often found that when I go and chat to people, and I ask them, you know, what do they know about this space? The minute they, they tell me that Bitcoin's used for drug dealing, I realize they're at the absolute bottom. Like these guys are just starting and they're reading newspapers that are 18 months behind schedule, right? Oh, behind yeah. time. And then, then when they turn around and they say, um, you, know, uh, you know, this, this space is, um, is overly leveraged or Terra Luna was a problem, I realize they've progressed a great deal more. But the minute they turn around and they say, which section of the space do you want to talk about? I start realizing these guys actually know that there are many sections 
to this area of digital assets, you know, including this amazing Web 3.0 and, and metaverse, and including the fact that, um, you know, that DeFi plays a role in this Web 3.0 and metaverse, and that all of this is simply based upon a providence validation system, an accounting system called a blockchain. And then I start seeing that these guys have a bigger picture of things. And so we see all of these things getting built out around us, but we realize it's still young and there's, there's areas of, of vulnerabilities in the space. And that's what we've seen just recently, isn't it? Yeah, no, so I couldn't agree more. I think your analogy of what you described in terms of Celsius, which is taking the long-term, uh, you know, uh, a position with short-term assets is, is just a bad idea. And I think that's yeah. what, you know, the long-term capital management was all about that is, is the correlated leverage that you would get from these things. And, but there's, there's something else to this, right, Derek, that crypto is a risk on asset. Uh, it's natural at times like these when, you know, the quantitative tightening is underway, there's over, you know, and over tightening of global liquidity that's happening all around the world, because as you mentioned, 8.9% in the US, which is quite high ever, yeah. um, you know, in terms of the last 40 plus years or whatever. Yes. The movement of liquidity is natural from risk on to risk off assets. Uh, not only the fact that it now suddenly we're entering territory where you have, uh, again, shifting from uh, risk-free interest to interest-free risks, from that perspective, yeah. where suddenly now you have 3%, 4% that you can get off without taking any risk. Uh, on, and you know, plain and simple cash is becoming scarce. And if you recall in the at the at the peak of crypto market, you know, market, we had a massive institutional liquidity pouring into it because liquidity was abundant. Uh, and suddenly now the you know it's the markets are demanding for liquidity, and you have again a sell-off in crypto market because these were risk on assets. Suddenly now the smart money is finding way because of returns and, and, and these projects. And so I think there's a little bit of that global macro at play here uh, that is, we should not ignore that even despite the opportunity that crypto presents that while crypto op offers new opportunity, I think the fundamentals remain the same of demand and supply, the economic systems, uh, the rules of, of you know, what's scarce and what's not scarce and the risk uh, those fundamentals don't change. And, and I would say this, that having been in this space for quite some time, that uh, I would use this opportunity not to be, again, be an alarmist to learn from it, uh, but also go back to fundamentals. Discipline is such an important part of any, you know, fund management activity that we stick to our principles. We stick to the fact that there's a discipline to it, that we're not going to go into some, you know, shiny new asset without actually understanding the risk behind it but you know behind it and what's amazing to me is in this debacle some many many educated and experienced people have made the mistake and not because they did not know but because they lack discipline uh to actually understand the risks that go with it which, which is what i think you know yeah. my learnings here is that you stick you stick to your guns stick to your process and just wait it out and have the right mindset to uh, to have enough cushions built into your system that lets you handle this i think that makes good sense, Nitin. Um, and and this is also this this you know picking between speculating on where the ride of the market is um, and looking at the fundamentals of what's happening in the market. And I, I can't help but think about the fundamentals on a regular basis here. And that is that you know VC money. There's been forty two point five billion dollars just from the US alone invested into this space 
in the last 15 months. And that's not speculating on the price of Bitcoin. It's not having a shot at where Ethereum is or taking the top 20 tokens. Now, then these guys are developing product. And so there might be some dumb money there, but there should be some smart money in it. There's VC money after all. Um, and they're developing you know, Web 3.0 solutions and metaverse solutions and many other solutions that will appear over the next two months or so, sorry, the next two years or so, um, because of course this space is able to develop product at a very rapid rate. And, and last year's user base went from 120 million to 300 million in 12 months flat. And of course, as we've discussed before, we've seen this amazing uptake in developing nations adopting this technology to both transact and to, to, and to build wealth from and to do business within, you know, you know, the number one being Vietnam back in September 21 and number two being India, when India may well have surpassed it by now. And so we're seeing the fundamentals, even though it's not faultless and there's some areas that aren't working correctly, we're seeing developed nations picking it up and using it and using it quickly. And we're seeing a whole lot of new products coming. I wonder again whether our view of this space being in dog years, like every year is like nine years or seven years as it goes with dog years. I wonder whether we'll see this position now where the market's valuing it harshly and a great discount, um, whether we'll see that turn around reasonably quickly, maybe within you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, it's hard to tell the exact number, but because the fundamentals are there. And this gets us back to that topic again. You know, when will it start decoupling from traditional right. um, technology? Um, because there's, do you get what I'm saying? There's two levels happening. Yeah, yeah. There's a level of investment transaction and speculation, and there's just an in level of straight building within the community that are occurring here. No, no, absolutely. I think that's another one. You know, we had consensus, and we should certainly spend some time on that uh, this week. There's a lot of energy, enthusiasm around the builders, and there's still, you know, we see money coming into this. What's amazing, though, is that I think the the rule book, right? I mean, at, this, at some point, I think we should course correct for things that are not working. Yes. Is the element of airdrops and NFTs and, and, and really sort of little blurry projects are still evolving. Yeah. And I'd like to actually, I'm curious to see how long that momentum continues because there is an element of risk that even VCs would like to see at some point to say, hey, all these projects seem to look alike. And so how do we discern between what's real and what's not, how big are the teams, how talented are the teams. Yes. I think there's still a lot of VC money going into it. And with past few conferences, technical conferences, we saw a lot more VCs than builders. And that made me, that to me was concerning the fact mm -hmm. that there's a lot of money chasing a few, few builders, which is never a good thing. People should compete for resources. Mm -hmm. and that's when you have amazing projects coming. And I, I guess only time will tell uh, from the VC funding piece. Uh, I think all we're discussing now are the token projects and token sort of systems and token financial systems, as opposed to the VC money coming as an investment uh, entity into still funding and fueling projects that have not matured yet to issue the tokens to see the downstream function, which which is where we are at the moment, I think. Mm, that's right. So, so I think is, sorry, go on, Nitin. Yeah, no, you, you continue, sorry. I was just gonna give you a short update on consensus. Yeah, please so do. Big events. Yeah, so I think um, consensus to me, and I, I just wanted to, it was a wrap, it was, a four-day event. Uh, it was uh, the moniker was the festival for celebrating the decentralized uh, ecosystem, uh, and the event sort of reflected the state of crypto and DeFi and decentralized ecosystem. It was chaotic. Mm -hmm. It was full of energy. 
<laughs> and I think it was in need of structure, framework, and direction. Uh, I, I think there was a lot of very fuzzy and fluid conversations that didn't go anywhere. Um, there was money re reimagined, which was uh, actually a precursor to the actual event. So the actual event was from 9th to 12th. On, on, on 9th, they had money reimagined for ProPass holders. I think that is very, very interesting from a content perspective because focused on investment banking and, and insurance. And while the whole event, as I said, it was, it was chaotic, it was full of energy. It felt me, you know, I, I felt that the industry needs more builders. Um, it needs more thought leaders. It needs real talent uh, because there were a lot of people who had the rhetoric but beyond the first two layers, they didn't know the depth of the industry and what they need to do. That's what I mean by, by thought leaders, like spending more time in the industry. And I feel that this is a progressive journey. Um, and I said before that where failures are to learn from and successes are to be built upon. Uh, and in Money Reimagined, which to me was a much grounded perspective of the industry, because you have institutional investors, you have bankers, you have insurance entities, you have DeFi builders, you have stablecoin issuers, that there was a massive institutional demand for crypto collateral, uh, which is central to the notion of custody. So how do we deal with custody of the assets and how do you treat that as collateral? There was a massive discussion on capital adequacy. So again, the, cap the notion of capital adequ adequacy prevents from things like Terra and Celsius from happening. Uh, that crypto collateral generally demands over collateralization, which is generally inefficient as we discussed and the industry needs model and data to address this. And that's why most of the uh, mature financial institutions are only going after Bitcoin and Ether because they have 10 years worth of data for them to evaluate risk. Yes. Um, and I think that the custody and connectivity and liquidity uh, was generally a data services comprehensive agenda, which today is very fragmented. For example, all this data is tied into every silo of every exchange. And there's a there was a need to amalgamate these things as a typical self-regulated organizations do. Um, and second thing is uh, risk. It was, of course, opportune moments. Risk was all over the conversation, uh, not only in the sessions, but also in the hallways at, at, at wine time and the beer time, um, that the total broadly, the third party risk management, which is something which large corporations look at when they do business with an entity uh, and the issues in light of Celsius and Terra that the investment management and asset management community were greatly impacted by it. These mm -hmm. are the Geminis and, and the Galaxies and many of the crypto uh, asset managers per se. And so many investment managers only use now, which was a learning for me, uh, that trading desks who have, they basically don't use traders anymore. They use developers because they want to have a tighter control on how they use to govern these trading activities as opposed to making mistakes. Apparently a lot of, mistakes have been made by these trading desks, uh, you know, because they're used to traders, you know, uh, executing trades, whereas now there's a, a little nuanced element of using key management functions. And these are very niche sort of trading entities who actually do self-custody, who actually have uh, self-management risk, which to me was very mm -hmm. interesting that the, the role of a traditional trader, which was simply to understand markets, is now morphed into somebody who understands the market, but also understands crypto. Uh, so talent is very, very much in need, which is why I'm saying that we need more talent in the industry to build this. So some of these were learnings. A um, lot of NFT metaverse, I think a lot of uh, sponsored content, which was more of sales pitches, which to me was not very interesting. Mm. Uh, a lot of people still don't understand metaverse. There's, people have their own definitions. 
whether it's gaming or virtual reality, AR functions. Um, and, and that to me, again, the fact that we all don't, are not in the same level of understanding of what the terms mean uh, is what I mean by chaotic, that uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a messy situation where everybody has their own definition that they have, which is fine. I think it's, a, as you mentioned, it's a part of the growth process where we are growing and learning, uh, lack of standardization, uh, which means that to me, it presents a massive investment opportunity of these amazing projects that could change the way we live in 10, 20 years from now. But it also presents massive risk only because no one agrees upon what is right and what's wrong. And neither, you know, and, and the fact that there's no real classification around these different asset classes, these different projects, makes it very hard for regulators um, to agree upon how do you treat these things. And I'll say one more thing before I take a pause, Derek, that there was a lot of regulators. We had congressmen, we had senators uh, from, you know, because it was a US centric event, mm. uh, global event, but it was in the US. And so we had, uh, you know, um, the, uh, the two senators, uh, Senator Lummis and, and Gillibrand, who basically proposed a bill. And we had Pat Toomey, who was again a champion in the, in the industry. They talked about the fact the probability of stable coins being regulated by the end of the year. Again, modeling after what Japan has done, that issuer of stable coin had to be financial institutions, a regulated financial institution that prevents the liquidity and all the capital adequacy requirements, for instance. And they were still questioning whether do we take the existing agencies regulating, whether it's CFTC, SEC, or their equivalents of different countries, or do we create a new agency? And, and mm. that was a hard question simply because there's no real classification of these assets. Um, and so I think it's it'll take longer to pass those regulations. So there's a lot of, I think, uh, again, money reimagined, traditional finance, institutional entry into crypto, was really interesting, a little bit more mature conversations. Um, regulation was top of mind. And then you also had the other chaotic conversation, which was all over the map, depending on who you speak to, which makes it harder to have a conversation because everybody has an opinion and opinions don't you know, really distill down into knowledge until they become more and more accepted, understood and, and, and harmonized. I'll pause here to see if, if that made sense. Look, that, that does make sense. Now, because we're running out of time here, I just wanted to sort of sum up this because as you realize, um, you know, we wear a number of hats. We wear a hat with a fascination about the space and a hat with technology expertise and a hat with financial expertise. And, you know, from, from an investor viewpoint, you know, I see this is that we're committed to this child. It's beautiful and it's growing rapidly and its future is extraordinary. There's no use to turn around and say, I'm going to walk away from it for six months and let it starve. You know, we need to stay and, and we need to look at it as an investment horizon that's over a number of years rather than over six months. And so the last six months have been really a tough ride for investors. But in, in most cases, it's impermanent loss. It's, it's, a, it's a turn back on valuation on this, unless, of course, they've been speculating at the bottom end of the alternatives. But if you've got a, uh, an investment strategy, is this just it's a setback period. And so we're keen to, to follow and see this young child grow because its future is extraordinary. And it'll be the future that, by the way, generation X, Y, and Z and onwards will be using. So, so I guess to take from this, there's a lot that's been learned over the last six months and more to learn. It's not a space to walk away from. It's a space to realize that it's highly speculative and it's risky and knowledge and know-how is the way to navigate the space. Don't just poke a stick at it. This is yeah. something you've got to understand. And, and hopefully something we'll learn consistently as you and I talk every week 
over the next few years and see that the space evolve. No, I, I couldn't have said this better, Derek. I feel this is a progressive journey where failures learn from and success to build upon. Yes. And I go back to three sort of fundamental uh, you know, elements that, that we learn from it. We, ha- we have acumen and we have knowledge and we rely upon our discipline. Uh, and acumen and knowledge is re-pivoting and, and readjusting your thinking and applying those models that we applied. And discipline is sticking to our guns and yeah. you know, enduring that whole element to say we will... It looks attractive, but we hold on to it because it doesn't affect or app apply to our risk models. So yeah. discipline is really, really important, I think, as, well, as a message. Very much so, both in technology development and in fund management. Um, sure. All right, excellent. So buy for now from London and buy from you from, from Austin. Um, and next yeah. week, um, back from Australia and, uh, and Austin, Texas, I think, again. I think so, too. Take care, Derek. Travel well. talking to Safe Travels. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please feel free to connect with either Nitin or myself on nitin at portal.am or Derek at portal.am. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week. Bye for now.